ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means I'm one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walquist. So joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... Uh, Jesse the Raccoon Wrangler Wilson. Oh, you got a raccoon this week, huh? Yeah, I got a pet raccoon. Tell a story. excited about it. Mm-hmm. Story time. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, it's pretty straightforward. I just uh, went into the wild... <laughs> befriended a uh an orphaned <laughs> raccoon kit and uh basically now i'm a i'm a raccoon dad I'm, it's teaching elsa to uh or russell nisha that is <laughs> to open cans and stuff yeah how to use her posable thumbs their hands are about the same size so that works out well yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well i think i'm a little smarmy right now because i just got stuck in major canadian traffic Oh yeah, so are I'm, you uh, doing your tour of Vancouver, BC? Well, this this is what happened, and we love our neighbors to the north. Don't get me wrong; the Hex Nineteen guys in Edmonton are some of my favorite people on earth. But uh, you know, the Blue Jays play the Mariners. You know, probably usually like once once a season, sometimes twice a season down here in Seattle for that game. Like the Blue Jays are the national team for Canada. All of their <laughs> games are broadcast nationally in the entire country. Is that true? Yeah. Because they're owned by uh, Rogers uh, Network, which owns TSN, which is like their version of ESPN. So all of their games are broadcast across the entire country uh, of Canada, which means that there are a lot of Blue Jays fans in British Columbia. So they do the three-hour drive down to Seattle, and they pack the stadium. Like, easily 50% of the people during this three-game set were from uh, Canada, and probably more. And usually that's fine because the game started at 7 o'clock. But today the game started at 1 o'clock, gets out at 4. Uh-oh. And, oh my lord, the worst traffic I've ever seen in downtown Seattle. Mm. Because I, I think you know this. Canadians are, we love Canadians, but they are notoriously terrible drivers. Yeah, they're the worst drivers. Yeah. I mean, I, I I lived in Bellingham for five years, which is basically a border town. Mm-hmm. It's on the I-5 corridor uh, between Seattle and uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Right. And uh, these goddamn Canadians would come down and drive like absolute maniacs with reckless abandon and total yeah. disrespect for the law. <laughs> it was crazy. It, it was like a well-known thing that mm-hmm. Canadians are shitty, wild drivers. I think it's because of the propensity of roundabouts. They don't know how to f- just deal with the regular four-way stop. Yeah, you I know. think... I don't know. Maybe it's the kilometers to miles per hour switchover. They're still doing 80. but uh. There's a tricky thing in Canada, though, because I'm pretty sure that like the the uh, speed, limit line, speed limit signs are posted in kilometers per hour, but the mileage signs are posted in regular miles. So, like, you can go 100 kilometers per hour, but you're, like, 30 miles away from Vancouver. No, the, the signs are in kilometers. Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, I... I will bet every cent I have. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. I'm 100% sure. <laughs> Is that what that means? I'm 100% sure? You're betting every cent you have? No. Okay, never mind. It's just because cent is a division of 100, like centennial, centrum. All right. there. But what is per? Like 100 of 100. 100. Okay, so like 80% it. is 80 of 100. Well, you get this kind of intellectual stimulating conversation <laughs> here on the Personal Experience Podcast. You're, it's okay. You're frazzled. I am frazzled. Her. The Canadians. But the good thing is, is once we got out of traffic, my bus was a full hour late and there were literally like 12 people on it. So we just cruised through all the stops and then they got home really quick from there. Oh, that's awesome. So it only so, took me two hours to get home. 
The only thing worse than Canadian drivers are Californian drivers. Mm-hmm. I had this one the other day. Um, I pull up at a four-way stop. Directly yep. across from me, a California driver right. uh, approaches a stop after me. Uh-huh. So I'm going to turn left. This person doesn't even stop, just rolls <laughs> through the the, the uh, intersection, yeah. turning right. I'm like, okay, so I guess you're just going now. That's the California stop, buddy. And then uh, I got stuck. Be- yeah, I know, the California nonstop. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got stuck behind an RV, oh. like a giant RV piloted by a couple of blue hairs. Yep. And I actually didn't I didn't catch the driver's li- uh, the license plate, but um, going five miles an hour okay. through town. Uh-huh. Just doing five miles an hour. No big deal. Just doing it. It's taking in the sights, dude. It's a scenic route. Yeah, so I was stuck behind the car that was stuck behind the RV, right? Uh-huh. So I pull off on a, a side street, and I'm, like, trying to whip <laughs> through this neighborhood, <laughs> Yep. right? To turn right, then right again, and then left uh-huh. to get in front of the thing, because mm-hmm. I think I might actually be able to do it. Right. But I actually, I have to slow down, because part of me is feeling guilty. I'm like, I can't just <laughs> blow through someone's neighborhood like this. So I'm not going super fast, and then there are a couple of pedestrians. I'm like, ah, shit. So they're, like, walking in the middle of the street, so I'm like, I can't do this. But then mm-hmm. I notice, like, a car uh, ahead of me, like um, on the block that was like one up, turn right. I'm like, that's that same car. Oh, <laughs> that, no. I was stuck behind. that car had the same idea and actually managed to get in front of the RV by whipping through the neighborhood. Like <laughs> he and I did the same thing, but I was just a little too slow. Didn't work, man. Yeah, that's that's Port Townsend traffic. Well, there you go. Canadians, Californians, and RVs. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking this week, man? Oh, um, I'm actually drinking something special. I'm drinking a uh, bottle of Allagash Triple. Say what? Yeah. Uh, which was sent in uh, by Josh Perigo. Josh Perigo. Very generously sent me a bunch of Allagash beer, so I'm yeah. enjoying that very much. It's really good. Nice, nice Belgian-y Belgian. It's pale. It's got like a sweet straw type of flavor. Finishes out really well. It's 9%, so it's really boozy, but it doesn't taste boozy. It's it's pretty mellow. Kicking it. Yeah, really enjoying that. So I'm, I'm going to get some beer in the mail for him soon. I'm having the Full Sail Pale FS Pub Series, English Style Pale. Uh, oh, how do you like that? Available for only 90 days. Really, really drinkable. Love it. It's, it's kind of like an ESB but it's got just a little more uh, hoppiness to it, which I really enjoy. I'd like to get my hands on that. Yeah, sweet, sweet, good stuff. And I love to, I love Full Sail. I just can't uh, can't sing their praises enough. I know we've talked about well, them before here. Yeah, but, uh, I Underrated. love their limited series. I think when you talk yeah. about when you talk about like important Northwest breweries, I don't. I feel like not a lot of people bring up Full Sail, but they do a lot. They do a lot. And oh yeah, by the way, this was like six bucks. Yeah, I don't not, know how they do expensive. it. Yeah, uh, they're putting out pub ales and like Berliner Weisses, right. and they have like a rotating six pack series that right. you can find all year round with something different. Like they're doing a lot of cool stuff and session and their mm-hmm. standards, and they they have like the best American pale that I've ever had. Really, really competent brewery. Yep, forty seven employee owners. So there you go, full sale. Uh, dedication this week. Uh, this week I want to dedicate the show to someone very special uh, who we're going to see very soon. And they are start- he's actually starting up a, a new podcast very soon as well. In fact, they, they – and by he I mean they. Uh, um, <laughs> the two-headed uh, beast known as. 
The Duetta Beats known as Jim and Aaron. First of all, we're super stoked because we are a mere three weeks away from, from them coming to Seattle and hanging out with us, which mm-hmm. I, I am so stoked about. And then second of all, you know, the Breaking Bad, Breaking Good podcast is back. Um, yeah. And they had such devotion <laughs> that they recorded an entire podcast, but Jim's mic went to shit, and then they had to re-record the whole thing. Uh, just want to say we've been there, buddies. Uh, basically, anytime we mention the Green Lantern, our, our yeah. podcast goes to shit. Uh, and uh, oh no! Ah. All right, let me stop this. Uh, and uh, and so we just want to say uh, we we're very proud that you guys are heading up this bald move empire and that you are sticking to your awesome guns. But uh, that's what happens when you kickstart shit. All of a sudden, you're getting paid for it. <laughs> Uh, but Jim and A-Rod, we love you so much. We can't wait to see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Fun fun times. Fun times. All right. We got a little bit of listener feedback this week. I'm going to save one for one of my segments. Um, but uh, but we did get a post uh, from Levi Rika down in Texas. He decided to drop us a line about an event he went to and uh, starts off the email like this. It is hot as fuck in Houston right now. We're having a good time regardless of the fact that the humidity is enough to drown a small child. I'm attaching a soundbite from White Linen, White Linen Night, a street festival started here by a dude from New Orleans. Uh, there are two main places it happens, White Oak and on 19th Street, if you're in Houston and you know the area. 19th is a lot of resale shops, boutiques, and art galleries. Uh, there's food trucks, there's uh, free adult beverages, and everybody wears white. Uh, he did. He also sent some pictures for this, and it looks it looks utterly terrifying, if, I, if I may say. There's like a giant Cabbage Patch doll, uh, which is the stuff of nightmares. Um <laughs> There's also a, a another very creepy, like, I, I don't know if it's a bear or a wolf. Oh, I guess it's a wolf. It's like the Goldilocks wolf um, in a shoe. It's it's really creepy. And I just can't imagine what this thing would be like with, like, 100% humidity. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, Levi, Levi uh, sent us a soundbite, so I'm going to bring that up right now. Hey, Arrogance, this is Levi from Houston, reporting from White Oak and Studewood. I'm in the middle of White Linen Nights, which is a sort of street festival celebrating music, beer, art, a lot of cool stuff. People dress up, uh, a lot of white shirts, white dresses, and the ladies. Um, I'm enjoying a wonderful car box seasonal summer street love, I believe it's called. Nice little brew here. Uh, I just wanted to report in and say I uh, wish you guys were here, wish you all were here, and I wish you would get off all 37 of my backs and just stay a little arrogant. Love you guys. Bye. We love you too, Levi. I wish I was there. I feel like Levi is creeping into uh, the top spot of my favorite Levi's. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a joke, Levi. <laughs> Levi's also our friend who we were in his wedding uh, three years ago now. So mm-hmm. really, I'm looking for a new Levi. <laughs> he married He married me. Yeah, he did marry you. Um, anyway, that sounds really fun. The coolest part about this, they also don't have an alcohol license, so they can't sell any drinks. 
Uh, to get around that, they've given away beers. They give away beers and ask for donations. It's pretty much all you can drink Lone Star for, for whatever you can pay. I asked a girl behind the bar if people don't pay, and she said most of the time <laughs> people put a dollar or two in the donation jar. Jeez. Uh, That's the crazy thing about Texas is that they have, like, it's so hard to get a, a, a license down there um, that – a lot of places are either BYOB or they do like this donation stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize as a kid how actually easy it would be to get your hands on booze if you wanted to. Like in the aforementioned oh, yeah. Bellingham, they would do the art walk like once oh, yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like free booze central. It's so weird. Yeah, it's that's like, where art walk Yeah, art walk is free booze. I, that's so weird. Yeah. Um,. I don't get it. Like, you can't appreciate <laughs> art unless you're drunk on wine. It's true. And it's, then you're just attracting winos. It's like, no oh, one wants to hang out with a bunch of winos. Yeah. Well, you know, Lydia's uh, Lydia's friend owned a gallery here uh, in, on Greenwood in, in Seattle. And during Art Walk, we'd go to the gallery, and there was this one dude who was like a total wino who would, like, show up, and they'd have to, like, guard the wine when he came in. Gross. He was, just the, he was the Art Walk wino. That's what you get when... <laughs> That sounds like a that sounds like a serial killer. The Art Walk Wino? I thought it sounded like an Wino strikes again. I thought it sounded like an indie band. <laughs> or like an endangered species. Yeah, exactly. Uh so yeah, that sounds awesome. Levi, thank you for doing that. Also, uh uh our good friend Dennis Kleinback from Germany has promised us a report from the Star Wars celebration in Essen, which uh I'm super stoked about. Um so uh, stay tuned for that. That'll that'll be on a later cast. Um, but uh, Jesse, I think it's about time to move on to some uh, actual podcast. What do let's, you say? Let's, let's do get a little, into it. Let's do a little timing roll off. Uh, I got a twenty sided die. So does Jesse. We're just gonna roll it. To see who gets to talk first on the cast this week. And... I rolled twenty two weeks in a row. All right, here we go. Damn. What'd you get? Thirteen. Damn it! It's a ten. Ha <laughs> ha. Ugh. I feel like each week you lose, you should get a plus one modifier for the next week. Um, yeah, but that's a lot more record keeping than we're. Yeah, that's true. That's a lot of planning. We're not really oh, into that. Oh no. <laughs> speaking of which, Jesse, what is your first topic? Yeah, well, speaking of uh, speaking of not doing uh, enough record keeping, the, <laughs> the blog that I was going to reference for my first topic is uh, briefly unavailable for scheduled maintenance. <laughs> Check back in a minute. <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, that sucks. So um, I guess I'll jump to my second yeah, why topic. Why don't we go topo? <laughs> which is just science. Okay. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Great Scott. So uh, for my first second topic, I want to talk about the Night of the Living Lamb Burger. Excellent. And um, that M in lamb was in uh, parentheses. I don't know if you could tell that by my inflection, but it were. Yep. So um, I'm a big burger fan, for those of you that don't know that. I, mm-hmm. I consider burgers to be my favorite food. It's the item that I usually order when I go out to eat, which I know is kind of – I don't know. Maybe it's a trashy thing to do, but I, 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 love, I love eating burgers at restaurants. Dude, it's, a, it's, the Ameri- it's the most American thing you could possibly do. 
That's, burger and a beer is the most American thing you could possibly do. That is true. The, it, yeah, it's like a... It's an Americanized it's German experience. A new world spin on a German immigrant culture. Yeah. But anyway, so I love, you know, beef, lamb, buffalo, so on. Mm-hmm. But uh, some folks over in the UK have put a new spin oh. on a uh, hamburger. And it's something that we've discussed in the past... Um, so a burger was served in London yep. and it was made from cow muscle that was grown in a lab. Oh yeah. So we've talked about meat making machines before. Absolutely. And how excited we are for them. So now right. we have a real world practical edible, yep. uh, instance of this. So, um, I guess three people were able to eat it and I must have my invitation probably was sent to the wrong address or something because I consider myself mm. one of the foremost experts in burger culture that's in the true. world. Yep. I mean, that's so. basically what this podcast started as, was the burger cast. The burger cast. <laughs> that's all yeah. we did was eat burgers. Um, it was not a very noisy activity, so we decided to just talk instead. <laughs> yeah, the first episode was pretty gross. Pretty gross. <laughs> pretty a lot of sloshing. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, a lot uh, of juicy meats. So the report that these three people had um, on said uh, lab-grown burger was that it was dry and lacking uh-huh. in flavor, which is to be expected because it had zero fat content. Yeah, totally. You need the fat, bro. You need you need that fat. So I want to ask you, right? what's your ideal uh, percentage of fat for your burger meat when you're cooking at home? See, I don't really know the percentages. I know you basically, that- you got your 20%, which is your cheap meat. That's like uh-huh. a buck ninety-nine a pound usually. Yep. I, f- I find it a little too fatty and chewy. I don't like it. You get that. You get like. I don't want too much tar- grease. Yeah, it's re- it'll be really greasy, and you yeah. like you bite into it, and you can't like bite clean through the patty because there's that layer of hard to chew fat. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Not not gonna happen. Then you have your ten percent, and right. then my favorite is the extra lean seven percent fat. That's what I oh. usually go for. See, I think I'd probably go for ten percent. Ten good too. But you, because like, and I'm not saying this to to blow wind up your skirt, but like, dude, uh, you cook the best burger I've ever had. I'm I'm pretty proud of my burger cooking abilities. And it was just like a random day at your parents' house, chilling. You're like, oh, I'm gonna make some bison burgers because my mom's got some bison meat. Straight up made <laughs> the best bison bacon burger ever of my lifetime. It was amazing, and I wasn't, like, uh, impaired in any way, I don't even think, and it was still delicious. <laughs> There's a chance that you were just hungry. There was a chance I was hungry, but, like, maybe, I think it might have been by, like, osmosis, or but because I was in the situation, because usually when we are together, we don't necessarily eat the best food. It's a lot <laughs> yeah. of Taco Bell stops. It's a lot of, like, Safeway runs. For like Insta stuff, it's a lot of like chips and crackers. Yeah, um, so maybe it was just thrown out of this, but back well, in the early twenties, it was pretty bad. Yeah, and I think this this was like around that era, maybe emerging out of it. But like uh, right. that burger was freaking amazing. So whatever that burger was, that's my burger. That's that the was percentage a fi- of fat. That was a fifty fifty bison beef mix. Perfect. Because I'll do that a lot. I find yeah. the bison meat a little overpowering if you're using it alone. Yep. Lamb, you can totally do just lamb, but both the lamb and beef, it's really expensive. Well, I love to mix meats too. Like I want my, – my dream is to make – I don't know what to call it. I'm, I'm leaning on the Wild Kingdom. Somehow get 
a meat, a burger that is like seven different kinds of meat. Mm-hmm. So like you got your turkey burger, your bison burger, your beef burger, you got bacon on it, uh, and then somehow incorporating chicken, I guess? You could have a ham slice. You could, you could have a ham or, slice. Or I guess bacon, yeah. Yeah, do bacon, um, but then you could have you elk. Gotta, you got to work a predator into there, though. You, you need, can, like, some lion. Well, yeah, that's a tough thing because, like, you don't really eat a lot of predators. I, I know, know but would... that's what would make it the Wild Kingdom. Actually, you know what the predators are? The birds. Birds are predators, dude. Yeah, that's true. Generally. I, I'm, top, I'm talking apex predator. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I would love to. I would love to try like a lion burger. That's that's one of my sad things. Is that like when I was in Kenya, in Nairobi, there is literally a restaurant called the Carnivore where you can eat lion. Yeah, are, are is lion not a protective species? No, there's plenty of lions. Dude, okay. there's like a million lions. Really? Yeah, lions are not protected. Plus, like, what are poachers going to kill a lion for? There's nothing to kill him for. They don't Help? have shiny horns grown out of their faces, so they don't <laughs> they don't kill them. Yeah, nobody wants a lion pelt, dude. They're all mangy and stuff. Have you yeah. ever seen like a cat? Like basically, a lion is just a giant version of a house cat. <laughs> nobody wants like a cat pelt. That's, that'd be really um, gross. I disagree. Actually, uh, <laughs> I really want. <laughs> when my mother in law's cat dies, I want to make her into slippers. Well, see, but that's the thing. That's like a big fuzzy cat. I'm talking like a mangy outdoor cat. A cat, yeah. cat that never comes inside. You do not want that cat's pelt. Nobody's An making slippers cat. out of that shit. Okay, that's a good point. Also, yeah, yeah hunting lion's probably not very good. I, I watched uh, Ghost in the Darkness or whatever. Oh, it's such a so good So speaking movie. of ex- expensive meats, right? Um, they, were, they were saying that if, they're, if they were to scale up this lab-grown uh, meat production process Mm -hmm. it would probably cost realistically around thirty dollars a pound (laughs) excellent that's a seven dollar quarter pounder yeah which begs the question who's gonna pay for that and maybe just maybe people who are vegan for ethical purposes absolutely that's exactly because there's no animal suffering it's just a piece of muscle that was grown in a lab that was never attached yep. to a spinal column or a brain or anything like there's no suffering involved so yep. if you really wanted to get that meat fixed and you're only going to eat it like once a month yep maybe this is what you do that's what you do and i think it makes a lot of sense first of all vegan food is already expensive second of all you're basically catering to the hardcore vegan who mm, kind of regrets the not meat eating meat part just because of flavor but ethically right. does not want to eat meat. Exactly. And it's perfect. Like I said, $7 quarter pounder. That's a big, it's a big chunk of protein. But I really just hope that they learn how to make, you know, fat as well. Give me some fatty <laughs> no, tissue. that's exactly the thing. Okay, we got the, we got the muscle. <laughs> now let's work on some fat production. And then it's just a matter of, you know, adding like 7% by weight. Yeah. And then mixing it up in a giant oh, uh, mixing bowl. So did you hear about the lard? The lard bomb in London. This is also UK science news. No. Apparently, um, there were people in this borough of London who were complaining that their toilets weren't flushing. And so the uh, the utility company went down to investigate and found that there was a bus-sized chunk of lard and wet naps that had oh. accumulated in the sewer. Huh. 
and it took them three days to chop and move this thing out of the sewer. Oh my god, I would love to see how they did that. I, they should have gotten <laughs> Mike Rowe on the phone immediately. Well, they didn't show the chopping, but you can go online and see this robotic footage of a, a robot going in and looking at this <laughs> giant, giant lard bomb. The Roomba's just like, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't even know, man. Well, the crazy <laughs> thing about it is, first of all, you think that this would be in, like inside, but it was like in the water, but it's not. It's on the ceiling. Which means oh, really? that it like I don't know how well, the wet Well, it's like when you were a kid and you went into the bathroom in high school and took like wads of toilet paper yeah. and then threw them onto the roof. Yep, yep. It's it's, yeah. a, it's exactly like that. Classic creature from the Black Lagoon behavior. <laughs> I really hope they remake that movie, but in the in the <laughs> in the sewers of London. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so if I mean if if a giant bus sized piece of lard can accumulate. Uh, ethically lard? in some way? Where, how? Isn't large as fat? Yeah, but I guess like oh. people like dr- like dumping their bacon grease down the drain or something? Well, there's that. I mean, there's also, I can't imagine that lard uh, digests too well. So oh. it'd be interesting. I don't know. It'd be Is there lard in poop? It, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the, the lard content of a poop. That would be interesting. And then, to see. and then it like evaporates and then sticks to the ceiling in some wet naps because a lot of Londoners love to eat ribs. <laughs> UK diet is not great. <laughs> Mostly ribs. Ribs <laughs> and lard and wet naps, apparently. <laughs> and manufactured meat. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for this. I would love, love to eat a uh, lab. Made burger, oh, and I would cool. pay thirty dollars for one. Honestly, just for just to say that I've had it. Yeah, why not, dude? I'm I am all for eating any kind of meat. I mean, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that I would eat human. What, <laughs> well, this is the thing we've talked about this before. It's a forbidden fruit, but like you can't. <laughs> that sounds really yeah. creepy the way that I just said that. <laughs> but if you once could, you eat it, there's no uneating it. This this is the question: is that if they can manufacture human meat? In a lab environment, would you try it out of curiosity if it didn't come from an actual human? Uh, well, and then then that begs the question, is that human meat? Just because <laughs> the, the genesis of it is human, right? does that make it human meat? I think it's still human meat. I think this is still beef. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. There was a so I've been I've been rewatching Mad Men, and there was this whole storyline about this uh, dog food maker who uh, was trying to rebrand because there was an expose on their food that it was all made out of horses. Apparently, dog food used to just be made out of horse meat, uh-huh. and and she was saying the lady was like sitting down and she was saying, um, well, you know, uh, they, they it just needs a name because you know cows have beef, pigs have pork. Uh, she said chicken have poultry. Uh, horse meat just needs its own name. <laughs> She's like, there's a large part of the population of the world that eats horse meat. I've tasted it. It's delicious. It tastes like venison. That's hilarious. <laughs> it does need its name. It's weird that we don't have a name for that, but we have a name for so many other ones. Well, and- I bet the Mongolians have a separate word for it. I mean, the question is, is first of all, why are you okay eating pigs but not horses? It is weird. I'm actually okay with eating horses. Uh, if if I had the opportunity to eat horse meat, I'd probably do it. So okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> my my uh, my pops <laughs> works at a uh, 
a pretty blue collar place, right? Mm-hmm. And um, every now and then, uh, once a year, there's you know elk and deer season, oh, hunting yeah. season, right? Oh yeah. And um, he was telling me a story best. about one of his coworkers who would uh, go hunting in quotes once a year. And basically just use it as an excuse to get out of the house for, you know, five days and go whoring. Oh, God. But uh, his wife started to get suspicious because Uh he never returned with anything. So what he would do is uh, on his way back, he would visit a local farm and buy a horse for cheap and butcher it and claim it as venison. (laughs) That is the worst thing I've ever heard. And my my dad was telling me that while the guy was telling the story – there was a woman who was working there who started to react to it emotionally because she grew up in that area and remembers when she was oh, a kid, a guy no. coming through and buying the horse oh, in a really sketchy manner. Oh, yeah. my God. So, uh, what there you kind go. of terrible human being do you have to be <laughs> to cheat on your wife with hookers for a full week and then kill it and then shoot a horse in the head? Like, that is, there are dregs of the bottoms of humanity that these people don't even amount to. It's some, uh, it's some real Game of Thrones action. That is Game of Thrones action. So, uh, according to the Wikipedia page on the fecal fat test, okay. normally up to seven grams of fat can be malabsorbed, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess means not absorbed, in right. people consuming 100 grams of fat per day. So 7% of your fat consumption gets pooped out. Yeah. When you're normally. Yeah. And, and patients just, diary up to 12 grams of fat may be malabsorbed. Oh, geez. Well, you know, so that's there you the go. thing. You know, if you're eating ribs all the time, you're probably going to have diarrhea. So, so if I eat that, if I eat that uh, 7% fat beef, 7% of 7% mm. of that's going right down the toilet. There turning into a giant lard monster. Yeah, turning into... <laughs> well, the other part about this is that London sewers are literally hundreds of years old. Like, that's oh, what that's I, a good point. It's like a cast iron skillet with exactly. hundreds of years of cooked on lardy goodness. Exactly. That's what I was thinking when I was like – I watched the video because it was on NPR.com and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like super old shit. Like <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, that's enough pee-pee and poo-poo talk I for, guess so. for now. Man, I could talk about meat forever, dude. I love meat. Yeah, I love meat too. It'd, it'd be really, really tough for me to give up meat. The question, Jesse, for me, for me to you, are eggs meat? No. <sighs> what are they? They're their own thing. They're their own category of food. It's like it's milk meat. No, milk is not meat, but I think eggs are. Meg- eggs are not meat. They're not. They're not meat. They're gooey little things. They're yeah, liquid. they're gooey little pieces of anatomy. Yeah, but so is milk. Uh, yes, I feel like milk falls into its own category because we have our own version of milk that humans drink. Humans have their own version of eggs. They do, but nobody eats them. Like, well. <laughs> anyway, we don't. I guess we don't need to go down this path at all. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, Jesse, thank you for that stimulating science talk. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, it's my first my first topic this week. We're going to talk about something. We're going to completely flip the grid this week. We're going to talk about sports. And in order to do that, uh, I'm going to need a little help from my friend uh, Angela Martinez from the Martinez clan down in Lubbock, Texas, uh, because she – guys, she brought it up. Here it is. Um, hey, Eric. Hey, Jesse. This is Angela from 
um, Lubbock, Texas. First of all, I want y'all to know that I love Pandemic. Love it. It is one of my favorite board games. Um, I've had the most fun with it. I think it's great. I love the co-op-ness of it. I think it's great. Second, um, about this fantasy football league, um, I think that y'all should do a crossover podcast. I think that's a great idea. Second, I think that y'all should have um, participants call in and y'all can talk to them about their draft, their lineup, um, who they're playing that week. Um, I mean, I think there are 14 other people. That's 14 weeks. I think that's a great idea. Um, anyway, this is a terrible voicemail, but thank you. Good night. You stay arrogant and get off my back, Angela. And it's not a terrible voicemail. There's no such thing as a terrible voicemail. Or voicemail. Only terrible voicemailers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, that didn't come out right. Uh, so I need to get into this because I am super excited, Jesse. And I hope you mm-hmm. are too. Because I'm not very excited, to be honest. <laughs> I'm mildly abused. Uh so uh, we have. <laughs> Did you want me to extrapolate on that? Yeah. Or? Why? Why are you excited? I don't know. I I've never done fantasy football before. That is not like true. That is a the- fallacy, sir. I happen to know that you are in a fantasy football league like three years ago. No, I was in your fantasy baseball league that I never oh, participated in. Oh, that would be it. Yeah, that would be it. And, and that was even worse. <laughs> thus, the birth of your bane of of baseball. No, it was more of it was it's continual ambivalence. And okay. I've decided today I don't hate baseball, I hate the MLB. Well, that makes sense. And I don't exactly. I feel like baseball is a perfectly fine sport, but I just don't like how the league is run. And same with the NBA. It's as, well, you know, the MLB is a weird thing. Of course the NBA is a terribly run league, but Major League Baseball is a weird thing because it's rooted in such strong tradition, and they have a guy who's literally 105 years old running the league. <laughs> well, let's just get into this real quick. Okay. Because they're t- they're t- I, I actually do kind of want to talk about this A-Rod deal because it, it makes me let's mad. Let's do it. Yeah. A-Rod, A-Rod might be getting a permanent lifetime ban from baseball, which is basically just, from my perspective, Major League Baseball uh, – catering to the New York Yankees Absolutely. who are like their precious little babies the Yankees and they're they want to get them out of this crappy contract they signed so was, I mean this is yeah. this is cheating among cheating and I, I was listening to the Bill Burr podcast he was going mm-hmm. off saying that uh the Red Sox had actually lined up the deal to sign A-Rod to the team yep and yep. then uh yep. Major the League commissioner Baseball came in and the said uh it was bad for baseball, so we're not going to allow this to go through and then proceed to allow him to join the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. So now the Yankees are suffering from that decision and they're going to let him out of it with like an easy, an e- give him an easy out. It's, it's king making. It's cheap. It's like, it's playing a, a board game with a lousy group of people who are conspiring just to get the guy who has the most experience to lose. It, that's exactly what I – yeah, because I, I posted this on, on ESPN today. I posted this in a comment because they were talking about how New York fans want A-Rod gone. It's like, of course New York course fans want do, A-Rod yeah. gone. They signed the guy to a $275 million contract, guaranteed contract. He collects that whether he plays or not, and he has performed terribly as of late. Uh, yeah, you reap what you sow. And it's not exactly. like they would- 
anyone would be helping, you know, Sean Figgins get out of a Seattle <laughs> contract exactly. or anything. Oh, my God. I love you. I love you. So- <laughs> Jesse, you're making me so happy, dude. You, well, we, the Mariners, That's this is the whole thing. So I got this dude. I'm going to name him by name because nobody knows who he is. Michael Drew. He decided to blow me up on my comments on, on ESPN. <laughs> Little did you know I had a podcast. Uh, he says, Eric, they should absolutely not be responsible for that contract. When they agreed to it, they took on all the risk associated with it. They had bad luck uh, in that A-Rod's performance took a big drop. Uh, and they had to accept it, and rightfully so. Now they look like they're about to get good luck with this suspension. And the prospect of his not being able to pay the rest of the contract after that. That's not luck. You're That's right. not luck. That's bullshit. You can tell them to take any possible downside, but to pass on an upside. That's hypocritical. The fact of the matter is, is that the thing about Major League Baseball is that the players have the owners by the balls. Like that is that's how Major League Baseball is structured. There are guaranteed contracts. Um, it took them forever to get any type of PED testing through, um, and basically public opinion forced the, forced their hand there. But the fact of the matter is, MLB contracts are guaranteed. You know what that means? The Mariners signed Sean Figgins to a three-year, twenty-seven million dollar contract. They have to pay him nine million dollars a year, even if he sucks, and even if in the last year of his contract they just release him and he goes and sits at home. And nobody signs him. Right. He's sitting on his couch making $9 million. That's the risk you take. That There's one thing to have that risk applied to a $27 million contract. The same risk needs to be applied to a $275 million contract, especially with the New York Yankees. The New York right. Yankees are the poster child for going out and signing these players to the biggest contracts in history. In fact, they, they signed Alex Rodriguez to the largest contract in sports history this is their mo and they need to they need to to eat the 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 bad stuff that goes along with that along with the championships and the playoff appearances and stuff it it just it blows my mind they're trying to have it both ways (laughs) and this this guy who's arguing with you does not understand the definition of hypocrisy (laughs) that's what i really don't i don't understand why he's saying i'm being hypocritical by saying that i'm literally saying (laughs) that the the the, You're not being hypocritical at all. He's yeah. being a huge hypocrite. He's, <laughs> this, is, this is why communicating on the internet is just a bad idea it is. for me. And plus he sent me two more messages after that, actually. Wow. Yeah. Great. Uh, which I will not But read. anyway, it, it's bogus. And yeah. I just don't – I don't like MLB. I, I'm sure baseball mm. could be a fantastic sport, and I would probably appreciate it if it was just run better. It's just crazy to me. Like, I mean, there's a thing, you know uh, – Calling baseball America's pastime, it really is the pastime. I mean, baseball is the background music to our summers. It's kind of a league. If there's 162 games, it lulls through six months of the year. And I love it for a lot of personal reasons. Uh, I love the Mariners for a lot of personal reasons. Um, and I have that tie to it. But it is kind of this background music. And every day there's a new game. And you just kind of go out there and you give it your best every day. Football is primetime sports television. I right. Mean, football is a primetime event, and that's what makes football so exciting. I was going through, walking through Target yesterday and looking at the screens, and they were showing football highlights. And I was like, oh, God, I, I think I'm ready for football. I think <laughs> I'm like, ready. Oh, God, I need to buy a new TV. No, 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 no. I, I, I need a bigger TV. TV. I love my TV. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, football is primetime TV. I mean, football is all day. If you're in the Pacific time zone, football is all day Sunday. Football is yeah. 10 o'clock game, football 1 o'clock game, up, yeah. 4 o'clock game. 
wake up at uh, 9, be yeah. watching football and drinking beers by 10. Exactly. And then uh, struggling to stay through the Sunday night game away. Exactly. I mean, the Sunday night game's wrapped up by 8 o'clock, and then you're, you're nice and wasted. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's it's a it's a nice time zone to be a football fan. I do oh, feel totally. sorry for the East Coast guys who are oh, staying yeah. up sometimes to like one a.m. That doesn't make any sense to me. West Coast is like I feel like West Coast has the best sports fans because you can watch sports and then you're still always done by like ten o'clock late, latest. <laughs> That's what makes us the best. That's what makes us the greatest. <laughs> we can still be in bed at a normal hour. <laughs> anyway, I think we got off topic here. Well, yeah, I just wanted to talk about football for a little bit, uh, and especially this fantasy football league. Uh, first oh, of all, right, 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 right. I need to apologize to the people. So I am getting, I am getting requests, but we literally can't let anybody else in this league. It is jam packed full of people. We have eighteen teams, and with that, uh, I say we expanded to thirty two. Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very, it'll be a total, it'll be a total uh, uh, replication of the actual league. Um, <laughs> Actually, that would be kind of fun. Of, of course, uh, Yahoo only lets you go up to 20. Um, but, God, we posted this thing on Friday at noon, just like we said we would. Five people were signed up at the noon hour, and the whole thing was done within, within like, 20 minutes. The whole thing was filled I know. I feel bad. We, we, had like our, we had our own, like, Comic-Con situation. I know. Well, you know, Next. we gave people plenty of lead time. But the thing is, we it was exactly like the pack situation because it was like in the middle of the day in a work day. And, mm. and, and uh, you know. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to sign up for it. Uh, that's true. You did get the head start. But but the good news is Jesse, me, Jim, and Aaron are all in the league as well as 14 other uh, of, of our great listeners. Um, we got some great team names here. We got... Um, Erin Martinez from the Martinez That's, clan. That one made me giggle. I like Rogers Acid Trips. That's a that's a madman call out, which I really like. Another madman call out, Sterling's Gold, uh, <laughs> which I really enjoy. Um the Hufflepuffers. Oh my god, dude. Paul Paul, you knocked it out of the park park with this. Putting it on the pizza. <laughs> that is a great name. Yeah, put it on the pizza. Uh, love this stuff, dude. Betty Monsters, get off my RB. <laughs> that's the that's my favorite one. Get off my running back. <laughs> that's my favorite one. That's so great. Isn't that good, dude? Okay, and and then and then this is the other thing I want to talk about is that um, you know, earlier in the season, earlier in the Mariners season, I I did a, a, a Mariners podcast, Sea Dog Press Box podcast. I basically did it for like the first half of the season. And what that was was a training ground because I'm going to be putting together a football podcast based oh around my. this fantasy football league for uh for this this season. And we're going to see how that works. Um so I'm really really stoked about that. Uh and Jesse, you're welcome on anytime you want to be. Excellent. Um of course. But I think, Sean, I think you might have just named the podcast. Get off my running back. Get off my running back. I think that's a great name. It's pretty good. Uh, so, it's better uh, than snake pigskin. <laughs> I like the Mighty, mighty Sperm Wall myself. But, <laughs> um, oh, God, Nick's got the t- Channel 4 News team. That's good, too. Um, but yeah, so, so keep your eyes peeled. We'll probably just start the first week of the season, but get off my running back. will be a new podcast, which is coming out. Um, we're going to talk all things football. 
Um, so, so get, get on that. And, uh, if any of the members of our league or any of the members who aren't in our league want to come be a guest and talk some football this season, just shoot us an email, personal arrogance at gmail.com. Excellent. Um, and we'll do that. All right, Jesse, you ready for some triv? Let's God, we had so much sports. Talk. You let me talk baseball. I know. Well, it is after the all-star break. It is. It is. Oh, I said, I said, I said, uh, I thought you said playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is this is this was mostly to uh, berate yeah. the MLB. So yeah. I don't okay care, dude. It. I don't care. Any baseball talk is good baseball talk to me. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the Martinez clan liked it as well. Um, so uh, I'm going to roll a six sided die. We're going to be playing a genius one of Trivial Pursuit. We're going back to the old school. Uh, and uh, please play along at home. Our category this week will be. Oh God, I'm not going to do entertainment. Come on, what are you doing here? Oh, arts and literature. God, what, these are the worst ones. All right, geography. Geography <laughs> will be go. it. Yeah, that's good. We do four of the six. All right, so please play along at home, Jesse. You are going to be first here, and your question is, what city's sewer tour, look at this topical oh. stuff, gets no stars <laughs> in the Michelin Green Guide? <laughs> More like brown guide. Oh, God. Um, I'll just say Rome. I'm going to go with jolly old London town. Paris. <laughs> Paris sewer tour. Doesn't have the line why would you? Why would you go on the sewer tour? Do they have the crypts? <laughs> yeah, that that might be, I don't know. Sewer tour. I mean, they don't have the lard bus, though. That's what London has. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's where tour. you get, that's that draws tourists. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, <laughs> this question's for me. Uh, what's the world's highest waterfall? The world's highest waterfall. I always get this wrong. I'm going to go with Angel Falls in South America. Mm, I think you're right. I'll just say Victoria Falls. Angel Falls, one point for Eric. All right, Jesse, this question's for you. What park contains Firehole? Oh, we already did this one. <laughs> we did that one. I'm going to switch here. What is the claim to fame of Agra, India? Agra, India, claim to fame. Uh, the the holy rivers that flow through it. Okay, I'm going to go birthplace of Mahatma Gandhi. And the Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal. All right, this question for me, Jesse. You need to steal the tie. Where is the famed Neiman Marcus department store? Uh, I'm going to go New York. New York, New Neiman York? Marcus Department Store? Yeah. Um, uh, I'll say uh, Piccadilly Circus. Dallas, Texas, apparently. Oh. Although I think Neiman well. Marcus is a national chain now. Um, but that's what you get when you play a game from 1981. Eric wins! <laughs> Yay! But I didn't win everything this week, Jesse. Is your website working? Uh, I do believe so. Let me try and pull it up here. Okay, so... Uh, I'm going to read a blog. Okay. And uh, so we're getting all hyped up for um, Penny Arcade Expo. It's only uh, – I'm not that hyped up, but I do know that it's like 24 days away. 24 days away. I do have a trip to Hawaii between now and then. So. <sighs> you are so crazy, dude. That's going to be awesome. I wish I lived – are you going to be back the Thursday night for the draft? Yep, I fly in Thursday. All right. So, uh, by the I go, way, I'm going to Hawaii straight into packs. By the way, listeners, we will be live streaming video the draft. 
And uh, it should be Aaron, Jim, Jesse, and me all in my apartment live video streaming the draft. So nude. Get yeah, we will be completely naked. We'll be strip yeah. drafting. It's a strip draft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so every player, every person has like five players, and if somebody else picks their player, then they have to take off an article of clothing. It's well, you can really trade weird. up by stripping. This was all Aaron's idea. Yeah, I know. This <laughs> is dastardly. Anyway. So, um, yeah, Penny Arcade Expo is coming to Seattle, and um, we are super lucky in Seattle. Yep. We're lucky that, uh, well, for you and I, growing up in western Washington, yep. that this awesome, awesome invention that we base our whole year around, basically, uh, is happening, grew up right in our backyard. Safe to but say Im- there would be no Personal Arrogance podcast if there wasn't a Penny Arcade Expo. Yeah, possibly. The idea was literally conceived at PAX 2009. Well, you know, I had had machinations in my mind before that. That's true. uh, The point is that it grew up here. So it's Mm -hmm. great now, but it hasn't always been great. So uh, this is this is a blog entitled. I mean, it's always been great, but it's, it's had its its ups and downs. Good years and bad years, and a bad PAX year is still an amazing experience. Yeah, that's true. But some better than others. Right. And um, the blog post I want to talk about comes from uh, pento.net. Yep. So there you go. And it's uh, why I won't be going back to PAX Australia. Oh, God. Oh, God. And this is uh, from Gary Pendergast is the blogger here. So Okay. Uh, he, he basically – he starts it off by saying – it wasn't the fault of the attendees or the enforcers or the people who showed up. But uh, what he what he says about it is that it was both too big and too small at the same time. Yeah, and, which uh, every so, first packs is. But Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like they had kind of typical fat first packs woes. Yeah, totally. Um, they bit off possibly more than they could chew. And uh, apparently, like, the uh, – so the, the – the line to get in, he keeps saying Q. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have to switch my vernacular over <laughs> right. to Q here. He yep. says it was about 500 meters long and uh, a thirty, Wait, a what? solid 30 minute meander through Melbourne uh, Showgrounds car park, uh, which people were tweeting on. So apparently, a giant line to get in. <laughs> thank, so thank you for interpreting that because I have no idea what any of those words mean. First <laughs> yeah, of know, all, like meters. A, I had second I had of all, car park. I typed it into Google Translate. Thank you. So, um, and then uh, he immediately goes to the queue for the first Q&A session, which was 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. our, he gave himself 60 minutes to get to the Q&A and uh, 30 minutes after the session started. So he's 90 minutes in now. Okay. They decided it was full and he didn't get to join. Okay. Which, I mean, that's a pretty big bummer. It is a bummer, dude. It's a bummer. And, and I think that the PAX people will be the first ones to say, from everything I've read from PAX Australia, the venue is too small for the event. But that is par for the course. Yeah. yeah. And now, at, um, at least in Seattle and the one in Boston, too, like all their main, like the Q&A and stuff like that, the, mm-hmm. the real big main stuff, like I've never had a problem getting into that in recent years. Yeah. Well, those are also held, like at least here in Seattle. I don't know what they do in Boston now, but... In Seattle, they literally hold those in theaters. 
Yeah, they've either held them in well, Benaroya Hall or the Paramount Theater, and I think this year they have both Benaroya and the Paramount. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. They're taking over um, downtown Seattle. Yeah, I know. During Bumber Show Weekend, which is crazy. Yep. But uh, it's like a culture war going on between the cool kids and the nerds. I, I can't wait until Paxis absorbs Bumbershoot. <laughs> like a giant amoeba. <laughs> yeah, MC Frontalot will be uh, headlining right. Bumbershoot. Exactly. But, I mean, uh, what's the deal here? I mean, yeah. you have, what, 25 Paxis under your belt now, guys. Something like yeah. that. You should know that you're going to need a giant venue to do your Q&A. Like, your yeah. headlining stuff. Like, the... the the uh, draw panel or whatever the panel, uh, the comic strip panel where they actually draw it and like write the next day's thing. Yeah, that always is a huge event. Huge, and it sounds like they kind of blew it on this one. Well, I don't know, dude. I think that there was obviously a financial question for this PAX. Uh, I happen to know for a fact that the tickets were on sale for quite a while. Uh, the passes were were open. I mean, it wasn't your normal PAX where it sells out in less than a day. Um, right. So the tickets were on sale for quite a while. And it's a first PAX. You know, Jesse, you and I went to the first PAX East in Boston. And we were also right. at the last PAX in the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue. Which was um, a nightmare. Before it moved to, yeah, before it moved to, to downtown Seattle. And that one was, uh, you had to literally take a bus to a hotel to play <laughs> board games. That part I actually liked. Yeah, the board game room was really chill, wasn't it? I liked the segregated board game convention yeah. at the same time. <laughs> board gamers, you're over here. Please stay. Uh, I would love it if, like, uh, they did, like, the board game section of PAX in Ballard or something. Yeah. But but the fact of the matter is, like, this guy saying he's never going to go back to PAX because of this experience, it's just a, it seems like a bit of naivete from him, especially since he's a journalist or a blogger at the very least. Right, um, yeah. If he gets a press pass next year. So um, so he was he was noticing that uh, they certain uh, certain booths were defying the no booth babes rule. Okay. Which is uh, – Kind of a lax rule. They they say yeah. no booth babes right. in at PAX, but there right. are good looking women who work the booths. Yeah, there's a difference. You can't between... stop good looking women from working <laughs> the booths. Like, that would be like crazy gender discrimination. You can stop yeah. them from wearing like super revealing outfits and you know bikinis or whatever. Well, the main but, like, I, th I think the main thing that that spurred that was I think two years ago when they did Duke Nukem Forever. They did the announcement there at PAX. And they had women who were very scantily clad in, like, schoolgirl outfits. Um, well, no, that was – I mean, it's been no booth, babe, since I think, like, the second year. Okay. But I, that was, so, like, like – that was the year that I remember that it, like, blew up on Twitter and then uh, there were no booth, babes, like, the second day. Like, the Duke Nukem ladies were gone because yeah, they were well, literally the, the had, like, a throne that you would sit on and then the girls would yeah. come around you and they'd take your picture with them. That's the thing. I think Duke Nukem – the, those guys, they defied the right. rule and right. actually got cracked down on. Is, yeah, but there's been the other there. there's been other booth babes for sure. Yeah, um, there's certainly there certainly are. I mean, it it seems like it's a rule that the vendors are. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it also goes in your de definition of a booth babe because is a just a woman in a costume handing out a flyer is that a booth babe? Or does it, does the does the costume have to be a certain amount of of scandal scandality in order for yeah, her to qualify as a birth uh, as a booth babe? 
So there is some there's some leeway there. I mean, how do you, how do, how do you define a booth a booth babe? It's like porn. You know it when you see it. I guess <laughs> you keep you That's keep a, falling on that. It's the Supreme Court definition of porn. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> who are they to establish precedent? <laughs> so uh, and then apparently he went to go for lunch, right? And uh, so and found like thirty plus minute lines for burgers. Yep. So I mean. This is all pretty much par for the course stuff. And like are are we just like battle hardened veterans at this point or <laughs> like I don't I don't know. <laughs> I I mean we'll wait a, I'll wait in a two hour line to see the one thing I want. Exactly. And maybe it's just because we've been to so many packs as we know what to expect. It was shocking to these, you know, green rookie amateurs. I know. Well I, I think that that's the main thing is that uh, you know, they they haven't had a PAX before. They don't know what to expect. They just know that people say PAX is amazing. The fact of the matter right. is the first PAX is usually pretty pretty terrible. Yeah, the first PAX in a given city is going to be hard because there's a lot of kinks to work out. Right. Um, so that that's one thing. And I, I, I would not uh, get away from PAXs forever because I had a bad experience at the first PAX in a location. The first PAX in any location is a pilot PAX. Um, they're, they're, they're feeling their way out. And also uh, this, <laughs> this, excuse me, this PAX is in Australia. Okay. How much does a plane ticket to Australia cost? Like at least $1,800. Okay. $1,800. How, I wonder how much it costs to ship an entire like booth to Australia. Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't even think you would ship it. You would uh, you would fly your guys there and construct it on site, right? Um, and actually, I I actually this I knew this sounded familiar because this guy posted this on Reddit, didn't he? Uh, that's probably where I found it. Yeah, yeah. So he posted this on Reddit, and I actually commented back to him, and he responded to me. Oh, really? Yeah. So my my comment to him, I just found it is with all due respect, these posts kind of make you Aussie sound like a like a bunch of wussies. Nice. <laughs> I'll be attending my ninth PAX this year, including the inaugural PAXs, and I would kill for an hour-long wait for a game. It was commonplace to wait <laughs> four hours to play Skyrim a couple years ago and about the same amount of time for Fallout 3. It's no surprise that PAX will be crowded. It will always be crowded. People want to go because it's awesome. Also, having attended the first PAX East, the first, PAX of, the first of any PAX at a new location is basically a pilot. They've got to figure out the kinks, and the publishers need to know that it's worth their while to be present. The main reason I keep coming back year after year is the people, the atmosphere, and the PAX aura. Yes, your cell phone data won't work. Yes, there will be tens of thousands of people there. Yes, you won't be able to get into that panel you want if you don't plan accordingly. Who cares? Grab a game and have some fun with your friends or make some new ones. PAX is about a community. A good attitude is key to a good time. Admittedly, I'd be pissed too if I wasn't getting a GTA 5. That was just my little dig at, at Australian people because they're not getting GTA 5. Gotcha. Yeah, minus 50 upvotes. Actually, 20 upvotes. Nice. So, yeah, this guy made two mistakes, in my right. opinion. Yep. One, I've never been to a PAX alone. Mm, I could actually mm-hmm. understand getting really frustrated if I was flying solo. Yeah, standing in line for an hour sucks if you're not with friends. Yeah, being in line is fine. When you've got a buddy yeah. behind you. <laughs> Being in line by yourself for an hour is basically like riding the bus. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of <laughs> torturous. I, I could yeah. definitely understand having a bad time if I tried to do a PAX alone. That said, 
every Sunday is when we split up and do our own thing because we're so pissed off at each other. Exactly. You get the packs mad. Yeah, get the get the packs madness. And this guy left after four hours and he had a three day pass. Oh my god. Which is insane because honestly my favorite part is when stuff starts winding down, they close yep. the convention hall. Yep. The uh <clears throat> like the tabletop free play, PC free play all gets flooded and you have like these great experiences with the other fans. That's what makes it so fun. Yeah, absolutely. It, PAX is not about the publishers. I don't know how many actual game demos we do on the floor i barely any i you know we walk around we do, yeah. i do like a walk a you know a walk a, yeah. around a day but that's right. been getting less and less each year yeah. it, it becomes more and more like i want to sit down with my buddies and play board games and drink beer and i that's actually why like we came up with bypacks exactly it's because we realized that our favorite part of the whole oh. event was hanging out and playing board games and you know Team Fortress 2 with our friends. Right. So this year we had the first Bipax, which is the Blue Yonder Personal Arrogance Expo, which was in Boulder, Colorado, and Aaron, Jim, and the Jake Conspiracy all got together and we all played board games for the weekend. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, PAX is what you make it. PAX is absolutely... If you're going to go to PAX, don't expect PAX to supply you with an awesome time. No, the, the the onus of the, the experience is on you. Totally. It's not on PAX. PAX. It's what you make it. It's like going to the zoo and being like, man, these papers <laughs> are boring as fuck. <laughs> I had to stand between like behind like six families to watch the elephants. It was horrible. It was an awful experience. I won't ever be back. Right. The zoo is just always there. Like it's <laughs> up to you to have fun at the zoo. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, dude, I'm so excited. Pax is geek zoo. I actually looked at the calendar and I was bummed that there were three weekends between now and Pax. <laughs> I was like, I thought there were only two. I'm excited because, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going I'm, camping. I'm going camping and then I'm going to Hawaii and then it's Pax. Oh, wow. I am going to get so depressed in D- September. Dude, that's, that's how I'm feeling. Like, I am on a little bit of brain overload right now. Yeah. Because you know how I like to plan, I'm a bit of a planner. You are a planner. And you're 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 the best planner of the bunch. Except Levi's a good planner too. Right, Levi's a good planner. But I I'm I'm a planner and I kind of professional planner. Yeah, and I kind of noodle on things, and right. I have a tendency to noodle. And like this Pax weekend, first of all, you get Jim and Aaron flying out. Second of all, we're going to be renting an apartment that we'll all, which uh, is such a great idea. Yeah, it'll be really dope. Third of all, we get the Fantasy Football Draft live stream to all of our, our Bald Move listeners. Then we have packs for four days, which we also have media badges too. So I've been like conglomerating all of my media equipment so that we'll have a really awesome media – so we can present really awesome media to our listeners from oh. PAX. Uh, then on Sunday night, I'm actually going to be taking a detour from PAX and I'm going to go to Bumbershoot because my favorite band ever, Death Cab for Cutie, is playing there. And they're playing the entire oh, – tr- they're playing the entire Transatlanticism album from 2003, which was a life-changing album to me. They're playing that live, and I've never seen them live before. They're my favorite band in the world, so I'm going to see them there. And, and you skipped Saturday. Yeah, and we have the HP Pubcraft Love Crawl, which we talked about last week. And that is uh, already has 43 uh, uh, people who say they're coming to that on our Facebook page. So there's 43 uh, attending, and there's 25 maybes. So... 
this is going to be like kind of a crazy weekend, and my brain is literally flooded with this stuff because I can't stop noodling on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you noodle. I'm going to be eating noodles in Hawaii yeah. and not giving a single fuck. Noodles, pokey, and poi, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that's legit, dude. Which island so, are you going to? Uh, Big Island. Oh, I love the Big Island. Yeah, and Tasha and I are going to do a brewery tour, hit up every brewery on the Big Island. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so excited. I'm actually going to I'm gonna apply at every single one and try and schmooze the uh, brewers, see if I can get a job. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, every time I go to Hawaii, I'm like, why don't I live here? Yeah. Because it's just like beaches and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's beaches and stuff. It's weird. Um, have you ever been to one of those beach towns like on your vacation and you're like, man, it would be like a nice life. To just live in this town yeah. and like deliver pizzas or whatever. Yeah, or just like teach or have like a game store. Yeah, just do something cool in this town. And then yeah. one day um, in Port Townsend, where I live, which is a bit of a tourist town. Absolutely. It's absolutely a tourist town. Yeah. And uh, one day during the summer, I was driving around delivering beer and I was like, I have one of those jobs. You do, I'm man. I'm the guy who lives in this tourist town where people pay money to come visit because it's nice. Yeah. And then I just deliver beer. And, you know, now I'm a brewer. I don't do that anymore. But yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It is a little nicer in like Kona, though. Yeah. I think I would rather live in Kona. <laughs> Plus, man, I mean, fingers crossed. Well, fingers big, crossed. Big Island is, uh, is my favorite island, actually. Because, first oh, yeah. of all, it's big. So. <laughs> You yeah. can't, like, drive around the whole thing in, like, a day. Like, you can't, like, Kauai or even Oahu. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's like, literally, like, every ecosystem in the world is on the Big Island. That's what I've heard, except for, like, Tundra or something. Yeah, except for Tundra. But they have, like, snow-capped mountain. They have a right. snow-capped mountain. They have rainforests. They have, uh, basically, deserts. They have, like, crazy lava fields. They have coral reefs. Best snorkeling mm-hmm. in Hawaii on the Big Island. I love it there. Um, yeah. I, love I feel Kau- like there's a. I, I love there, Kauai too, but but uh, sorry, but uh, I love Kauai too, but uh, Kauai is a very small place. Like the Big Island, you actually feel like you're on, you're in like an area. I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. You know, yeah, I love. I've had to experience the Big Island. I've only been to Kauai. Oh yeah, I love. I love the shit out of Kauai. Kauai is super I, I low feel, key too. I feel like there's a a ninety five percent chance I'll go to all these breweries and they'll be like, yeah, sorry, Alpha Lab not hiring. But I also feel like there's a 5% chance that one of them will be like, how often do we get a wandering brewer? <laughs> yeah. You know, just a guy rolling through who knows, yeah. you know, all the stuff and is trained and qualified and willing to work here. <laughs> well, you know, that Which is, is probably not that infrequently. Well, but there is a difference between uh, the Northwest breweries and the Northwest is like uh, – world renowned for being kind of a cold place <laughs> in terms of like you're going to walk in and talk to strangers um so the northwest in general is a little bit of a passive aggressive weirdly socially awkward place whereas hawaii people are very friendly there right so i feel like saying hey you know i work at a brewery and i'm looking for a, a new opportunity i feel like people will be much more open to talking to you about it there uh yeah i actually haven't had a hard time at all when it comes to Walking up to brewers and talking to them about their well, openings and stuff. But wait till it's you walk pretty... up to a Hawaiian brewer. Oh yeah, man! They're gonna love it. I, I, I feel like I would live. I would be super happy to live there until Elsa's uh, Russell Nisha that is is becoming like school age. Yeah, 
Because that's when maybe we should settle down for her sake and figure out where we want her to live. I don't know if Hawaii is the best choice. Yeah, but you know what? You're like halfway to Australia. Or you're like 40% of the way to Australia. Thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this this derailed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back to Australia. Speaking of it. Speaking I'll of. I'll be able to hit them both. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a way back to that conversation. All right. I'm going to go to my second topic this week. I'm also going to talk about video games, but just a little more specifically. Um, turns out John Carmack, who was the co-founder of id Software. So id Software is the company that brought you um, – brought you uh, Quake and Doom and also Wolfenstein. So, like, basically all your classic first-person shooters from the 90s. Real founders. Yeah, basically. Um, So he is the co-founder of id Software, and uh, they also have this new game called Rage, which which hasn't been the most groundbreaking game ever, but it kind of follows in those footsteps. He's now the the chief technical officer, the CTO of Oculus VR, which makes the Oculus Mm -hmm. Rift. Um, which is cool. I, I think that that's cool. I think it's cool that they got an industry veteran. Also, John Carmack is a guy who is kind of a pioneer in game programming. So from a technical side, <clears throat> uh, from a technical side, he, he, uh, is probably a great choice here. Um, I guess this, this, this podcast might just be Eric talking about people responding to him on, <laughs> <laughs> on stuff. So, so John Carmack, obviously, it's a great choice. This is a guy who, you know, is a great program. He actually went into aerospace for a while. Didn't necessarily work out as well as he wanted to, but he was trying to kind of revolutionary, revolutionize aerospace. Um, but his main credits are that he, uh, you know, he created Doom, Quake, and Rage. These are, these are his main credits to his name. Um, so. I, I just commented on this. This was, this was a story on Polygon today, and it's, it's kind of a big story. I just said, I have mixed feelings about this. While Oculus Rift uh, does need to get into the shooter genre, I would like to have seen someone with a more diverse game pred- pedigree take these reins. Really, I want the Rift for unique experiences like a Mirror's Edge or a Portal Port or open world like Skyrim or Grand Theft Auto. Uh I know that this doesn't paint Rift in a quarter, but the dude hasn't made a truly innovative game since the 90s. And oh my god, did <laughs> I get blown up by people. You've had some bad luck on the internet. I know, but I don't really think that I'm like completely out of line here. I mean, obviously this guy is a great programming mind. He knows how to create 3D worlds, but he's basically made, made shooters his whole life. And maybe that's, maybe that's what's worked for him when you always do what works for you. But it's like... Uh, you know, the the Oculus Rift is, I feel like it has unlimited potential to be something that, uh, you put an MMO on Oculus Rift and then all of a sudden, like, people just stop working. <laughs> yeah. Like, you make the, the Pokemon all of a MMO. you've collapsed the economy. Yeah, you make the Pokemon MMO, you put it on the Oculus Rift and then all of a sudden people are just gone. <laughs> it's basically the rapture. That is, that actually is the rapture. Is that people don't actually physically disappear. They just put on their Oculus Rifts and never take them off. And then their family are forced to hook them up to IVs and then that's it. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I was listening to uh, Duncan Trussell on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. Uh And he was – Duncan Trussell used to be like a World of Warcraft addict. And he was talking about like if you had just seen me and seen what I was doing and turned the monitor off where you couldn't see the monitor, there would be no difference between me and someone – smoking opium in a den somewhere <laughs> that's how i feel like i used to i don't know why i thought this but i thought that dogs couldn't see the television 
I don't know why I thought this, but this was like when I was a kid. And I was like – When you were 17. Yeah. And I don't know. Like my mind went somewhere where – or like if aliens like could see everything. If they came to Earth, they could see everything, but they couldn't see physically what was on screens. They would just think like humans are the weirdest. Like these must be their gods. They just literally sit in their living rooms and watch these things for like hours on end. Just Hell, stare even at if them. they could see that there's something on the screen, yeah. I think it would be weird to them. Absolutely. I mean we don't need tractor beams. We have televisions. Like people will just sit there. I just sat there today at lunch. I went down to the cafeteria and I just sat in front of the television and watched a Food Network with the sound off because I didn't have anything to do. My phone was charging. Like <laughs> It's like I've, I've always said if I was going to be dictator for life, I'd give everyone free cable and marijuana. <laughs> 22nd Amendment, you're toast. Um, <laughs> Toasted, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's just interesting to me that you know there's also this book that came out. It's called Ready Player One. I've talked about it on here before. And if you if you haven't done Audible yet, we don't have them as a sponsor, but go on there, get your free download, and download this book because it's a personal it, arrogance podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Right. <laughs> With over a hundred thousand titles to choose from. <laughs> Audible.com is your number one stop on the internet for uh, audio entertainment. Enter the promo code arrogant for your free. <laughs> Uh, audiobook today. <laughs> An audiobook that arrogant listeners might be, might be interested in is Ready Player One. Uh, <laughs> it's actually narrated by Will Wheaton, and it's actually the the thing that made me not hate Will Wheaton was listening to him narrate this book for me for like eight I'm hours. I'm around on the man, actually. Yeah, why not, dude? Will Wheaton's great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Ready Player One is basically about all these people in the future who live in haptic suits and VR goggles, and they basically just live in a virtual world most of the time. So it's kind of like Inse- it's kind of like that idea in Inception where they like go into that back room and there's all these people hooked up to the dream machines. Except like everybody does that. They basically just live in VR. Inception. Oh my god! I'm sorry. Um, I'll watch it after I watch yeah. Master and Commander. So uh, there are, and we talked about this last week. I think that there are some very real concerns with the Oculus Rift. Um, and I can't wait to try it. You know, they should be at PAX, and I like that's well, the one thing. It's just going to become a porn PAX. thing, right? There's also huge porn stuff that that people are looking at already um, for like porn simulators. Like, yeah, I mean, that's going to be like the number one thing. That's just crazy to me, man. Like, I, I, I feel like Oculus Rift does a lot of things. First of all, there's the the Uncanny Valley. Which, if they can, you know, if video gra- game graphics are progressing the way that they are, if you look at these Skyrim mods that are like the the super graphics, mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine like playing Skyrim on an Oculus Rift in first person. Well, like, I, I mean, how I, long would I, you spend on that? I like to talk about uh, the first time I played Oblivion, mm-hmm. which is not a great looking game. Like if you go back oh, no. and look at even it, Morrowind like, isn't isn't good looking at all. For some reason, Morrowind looks better to me, and I think it was an Uncanny Valley thing. Like, I remember playing uh, Oblivion, and you, you like you fight your way through the sewers or whatever, and you're killing a bunch of rats and everything. It's like, right. okay, you know, business as usual. Right. And then you open the world, and it's like lush green, rolling hills, snow-peaked mountains in the background, a bright blue sky with... You know, nice clouds spotting it, and you're like, uh, "Wow!" I was like, "This is amazing! This is so cool!" And there's like a body of water. <laughs> I cross the body of water. And I'm like, "Wow! This is so be- beautiful! I can't wait to um, explore this world." 
And then a guy charges at me with a warhammer and starts attacking me. I'm like, oh, shit. And yeah. Like, or he attacks me with a longsword, I think. I pull out my warhammer and just, like, club him to death. And I had, like, a weird emotional reaction to it. It, like, turned right. my stomach. It was too real. I was like, I feel gross. Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to murder that guy, but he just yeah. attacked me. And then I, I had to kill him. Right. And there's blood everywhere, and then I, I proceed a little bit further, and, like, these wolves start attacking me, and the wolves, like, uh, when you the hit whimper. them back, the they whimper. have, like, dog yelps. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be killing you, and they're like, yay, yay, yay. It's like, ugh, I was having a hard time. I can't imagine, like, if violence gets more and more realistic and you're uh, more and more immersed in it, like, I could really see myself playing a game like Skyrim and be like, I, I can't do it anymore. It's too yeah. too much. Well, that's a question. I mean, you're going to have like a fine line between the people. Who, and that's Skyrim, dude. Like, and I think the problem I had with Oblivion, that came out like right after Fallout 3, I think. Before. It came out before Fallout 3. Okay. It was a Xbox 360 launch title. Oh, okay. I, I, but I played it after Fallout 3, and Fallout 3 I felt like had better graphics. So when I saw Oblivion, I was like, I don't know if I like this as much. But it was because it was basing on Fallout 3. Anyway, regardless, this is this is the type of decisions that people are going to have to make. And it's one thing to have this in, in you know, the world of, of, of uh, Elder Scrolls. Warcraft. Oh. Yeah, or or the world of Warcraft in a fantasy realm. It's one thing to have it there, but like if you do a GTA port, yeah, a mo- yeah, exactly. Like we're a basically thing. yeah, where you're just like roaming around. You're like a, a thug coming up through the system, like shaking down people at laundromats and stuff. Like, where? How does that affect a person? I think that'll be really interesting. I don't think it will affect you that much. I just think if you're a sensitive yeah. little uh, waif like I am, <laughs> that you'll have you'll be upset it upset by it because yeah. I mean it, it won't upset you more than watching like Snatch or you know reading a book that's hyper violent or anything yeah. like that. In I mean, my the, opinion, the question is, and the thing that I'm kind of the thing that interests me the most about uh, Oculus Rift is like what happens if you lose the reins and you do a movie that's you're supposed to watch on the oculus rift like you are a roman general or something or you're a roman soldier and you're watching the whole thing first person one shot from an oculus rift and you watch the entire movie like that if they had like a uh like a a camera that filmed in like uh say it's like a sphere with a bunch of lenses Mm -hmm. you know so it, it, yeah. it films like up, down, left, oh, right, forward, yeah. behind you at all times. Yep. And like you you don't control the movie or anything, but however you rotate your head is how you're experiencing it. That would be crazy. That would be insane. You, It's basically like choose your own adventure. I mean like James Cameron's trying to do 3D. Like this is the future of 3D, dude. If you want to do a movie, this should be the next fucking Avatar movie. If you <laughs> want to do something cool, like this should be it. Like, you make a helmet with a bunch of 3D cameras around it and then uh, and then make that a real-life experience. I mean, it would probably have to be CGI. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> but do the whole thing in CGI. And yeah, yeah, but it would can... be cooler if it was real fil- film. Oh, yeah. But, if I mean, you were watching, like, Star Wars and, yeah. you know, you could turn your head around and see what was going on behind you, that would be sick. Yeah. Or, like, you're in a cockpit. Or like yeah, you become R two D two on the back of the X wing. Uh huh. 
anything. Yeah. That's it. This is it. This is it, dude. You you do the Star Wars trilogy as R two D two. It's perfect. Because his head can spin around. Yeah, actually, time. yeah, you could do the spin around three sixty. You just can't go up and down, and so it'd be <laughs> easier for the filmmaker, right? <laughs> but yeah. that would be it, dude. Yeah, you're R two D two, and you're a freaking owl. You're just like spinning your head around all the all the time. It'd be awesome. I love it. So anyway, that's what I that's that's what I want to kind of want to talk about. Like this is what I want to see from Oculus Rift. I feel like Oculus Rift. I, I want to try it. Of course, apparently you can't you can't even have an Oculus Rift on if you're standing up because it will immediately make you fall over. I believe that. Yeah. I can totally believe that. It seems like there's going to be a lot of liability issues here. There's yeah. going to be someone who, like, stabs his wife. It's like, I was oh. playing Oculus Rift, and I just had a knife in my hand for simulation, and she walked by when I was playing. Ugh. Well, that's a dumbo. <laughs> o- Oculus Rift doesn't kill people. <laughs> um, I just kill people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah, Oculus Rift. Like, I want to see some. I want to see more innovative stuff, and that's all I want. That's all I want to put together. I don't think that anything's going to hamper them in hiring this guy. But people's minds were blown by this amount, announcement about John Carmack becoming the Oculus Rift CTO. It's like this dude made Quake. Like, I want the dude who made like Flower to be the CTO. Yeah, you want to hire the guy who's going to make Quake. When it's five years before Quake exactly. happens, it's you know? it's the whole thing about Gabe. Like Gabe Newell says, like you know, it was like he was talking about the whole motion control thing. So he had Wii come out, and then he had the Connect, and then he had the and Connect is kind of becoming its own monster. But he had the PlayStation Move, um, and he's like, you know, it's it's not it's not any good to try to catch up to the technology that's that's cool. You want to be the person who's making the technology, yeah. that people want to catch up to, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of the, that forward thinking, that forward vision that you want. Like like Oculus Rift movies. Let's do it. Yeah, I love your uh, your Roman general. Yeah, you're just in the war, dude. That would be sick. I don't, I don't want a Roman gen. I don't want a Roman general. I just want like a Roman centurion. Like you're just like yeah, exactly. Because then you can charge into combat oh, and like see the melee around dude, you. You're, like you're like going in and you go into that formation where you put dude, the that shields would be fucking up. Scary though. It would be <laughs> super <laughs> scary. Horrifying. Or like for straight up like horror movies. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but horror movies could have a huge realm in this Oculus Rift. Like if you oh, really want to get fucking scared. Totally. Oh God! Wait for I Saw Rift. Stroke out during that. Oh man. Well, it didn't stop Pokemon. <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, I think I think that's enough. Yeah, I think it's enough. I need to think about going to bed soon. All right, good. Well, let's do the Facebook roundup real quick. But before Let's. we do, uh, we just want to talk about the Ball Move Network. Like we said, Breaking Good Podcast, the 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 preview cast is up, and then you're just going to cruise right through the, the last season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, oh, my eight God. Eight episodes in eight weeks, I think. So exciting. So, so exciting. Plus, we got the Because Show. Plus, we got Up Yours Downstairs. Um, so please guys go to ballmove.com, check it all out. If you want ball, if you want podcasts, we got plenty of them. Just stick them in your ears. Just put them right in your ears, guys. Ballmove.com. Uh, got a ton of content. My wife listens to the because show every week and she loves it. And, uh, and basically it's like us. If we were women and we were smarter and we were, (laughs) yeah, uh, Yeah, definitely more socially conscious, conscious. Uh I can't even say the word because I'm not smart. Uh, more sober, more sober, and also, but like Better just looking. as just as funny, 
but definitely, <laughs> but definitely better looking and more refined. That's the because show. And then if you it's want that from, but you also love your masterpiece theater, you love your Downton Abbey, you love your Mister Selfridges. That's where you want to go for up yours downstairs. They're gonna get you covered on all your British shit that you love so much. So that's ball move, man. We got it all. Get over there. Okay, let's do the Facebook roundup. What do you say? I do want to tease something for uh, the listeners. This is not yep. bald move affiliated thing, but um, I'm thinking about starting a new podcast, much like Eric is. Excellent. I want to do a craft beer review podcast oh, with it. my wife. Love it. So if anyone's interested in that, get back at me. Um, I, I'm thinking about starting it in September. Got a name yet? I, I want to call it Woman Man Beer. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. I was going to suggest man-woman beer. <laughs> really? Yes. That's bizarre. I think you got a golden name. Either that or just we've we've just been friends for over a decade. Yeah, possibly. Or yeah, I, I also want to – I want to focus on like uh, – it's actually a big in, uh, issue in the industry right now is uh, race and gender in yeah. the brewing industry. Cause Absolutely. It's, ba- it's, a, it's a straight white male's realm right yep. now. And there's definitely it, – it, it should change. I think bringing new and different and diverse voices into the industry will benefit it. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, diversity in general, like, like you just need diversity. I mean, I, I would be really excited to see what other cultures too are doing with beer, which I feel like. Yeah, totally. That, that male, male, white male craft brew industry that's so dominated right now. Like it'd be great to like see what other uh, cultures around the globe would be, would want to do with beer instead of just put like mushrooms in it and call it something new. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely an industry that's dominated from basically Germany and England. Yeah. Like that's the tradition in Belgium. Ev- yeah, 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 which is practically Germany. But. <laughs> we just lost all our Belgian listeners. No. <laughs> Jean-Claude, I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll keep an eye but, out for that too. Anyway, yeah, yeah, hopefully coming in uh September. Okay, cool. Along with get off my running back. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Facebook roundup. Each week we post that we are recording and that you should uh, tell us what to talk about. We put it on here. Andy Burke says manscaping. Jesse, you're the best uh, manscaper of us both, I think. Okay, so we need to define what this is. Well, there's a couple things. First of all, some people call it trimming your pubes. Uh, okay, so we are talking about pubes. No, <laughs> I, I, are we talking about pubes? I also I, – I, I, I put manscaping as well as like facial hairscaping. Okay, because that's what I was wondering. Yeah, you've, done, you've done the beard. You've done the mutton chops. You've done the mustache. You've done this – have you done the soul patch? No, I've never done Never the done soul the soul patch. patch. But have you done the, the mustache with the soul patch? No. Okay, but and you've never done the goatee. I've never done a goatee. I've never no. done the mustache soul patch. Have you ever, uh, while you were shaving your beard into a mustache, stopped at the goatee just to see what it looked like? You know, that's the thing. It's I always forget. <laughs> I always forget to do something fun with my uh, facial hair. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, ah, oh, I already shaved, like, most of the important stuff off. Well, Damn. the fun part about that is that now that you have a spouse, this is the super fun part, is that you just shave it to that part. Either the goatee or I've done the soul patch or just the, <laughs> just the fuzz stash. And then you just stop and then you go out and you show your spouse and then they'll they'll be recoiled in horror. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is that. Yep. Um, but I don't think that's what they're talking about when they're mentioning <laughs> manscaping. I don't think that's what they're talking about either. I say um, 
keep it trim, no blades. That's my philosophy. <laughs> hey, now. What do you mean, no blades? How do you I, keep I'm it not, trim with no blades? I use scissors. Scissors are blades! Scissors well, are literally okay, two uh, blades. Uh, no no razors. Yeah, dude. Just let the... No razor's edge. Right. You want a well-groomed trail. You don't want the, the wild rainforest. Yeah. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm not bringing out the edger. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Nick Nicklish. Nick Nickish. Wow, that's a cool name. Uh, it says British Television. Uh, actually, I just want to talk about this. Uh, they just put new episodes of Peep Show up on Netflix. Basically, British television is like basically filling up my Netflix queue as I'm waiting for for movies and other TV shows to come out. Um, but yeah, new shows, new episodes of Peep Show. I love Peep Show so much, and I yeah, I need through, to get into that one. I've, I've been watching one of your shows that you recommended. Oh, which one? Uh, the increasingly poor decisions of, of Todd, Todd Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, which is also I like a, it a lot. It's a pseudo British show because it takes yeah, place it, in England. Yeah, it's a it's American break. It's Anglo Anglo Brito. Anglo-Brito, I think is Ameritish. Anglo-American. We'll yeah. stick with that. Uh, but there's also Hyperdrive, which is Nick Frost and like basically Star Trek, which is kind of fun. Um, of course, there's Sherlock. They just announced the third season, and each episode is a movie, so that's on Netflix as well. I haven't watched Luther yet, but that's on there as well. Um, God, what else? So space. If you haven't watched Space, dude, Space on Netflix. I, I watched a few episodes. I didn't get into it. I loved it. I don't know. I'm a I huge fanboy, though. Love British television. Um, I'm a dad's army kind of guy. If you want real British, like new British television, though, check out Up Yours Downstairs. Uh, Joe Green says, should college athletes get paid? And if so, how much? They should get paid. I am standing behind this. I think that it's like basically a slavery system. If well, the... this is an interesting question, though. What? I mean, how part much? of college sports is to bring in money for the university. That's such bullshit, dude. It's it is not... on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about the Oregon Ducks or anything, but if we're talking about like Western Washington. Yeah, no, totally. Like, I think that only Division One A should pay, and they should pay them whatever minimum wage salary for that period of time is. That's fine. I think they should get like some sort of insurance. Like, no, if you do I blow like out that. your knee, I like you, don't it. Get, you don't get paid, yep. but you get insurance. Yep. Yeah, the, like the university is forced to insure every player. If they have a career-ending injury, you have to pay them out for their career. I like you that. Something like that. I like that. I think that everybody should have a certain – like the, an agreed-upon uh, insurance policy, and I think you should also get paid minimum wage for the season. Yeah, your, uh, your insurance policy could be like negotiated when you're – no, I don't think it should be negotiated because I don't want – the thing that I want to prevent here is I want it to be something that all colleges can pay so that you don't have the Yankees of the NCAA. Mm. I think that it needs to be a set amount for each player uh, and the insurance amount needs to be a set amount for each player. Yeah, so that there's I mean, an even playing field across the board, but this is what you get if you get – and it can be an incentivized contract too so that like the guys who are warming the bench don't get the insurance policy. But if you play more than a certain amount of minutes per season, then you then you get that. Mm-hmm. Like basically if you play a full game or I don't know, you, it would have to be agreed upon. But yeah, I think you should get paid minimum wage and you should also get insurance. I think that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, cause it's frankly, it's larceny that they, that these colleges make millions of dollars off of these people and they don't get paid at all. Larceny. It's larceny. And by the way, they're not really using their degree. So a, a freaking scholarship doesn't really apply. Yeah. That's on them though. Eh, 
I think that's on more than them. There's a lot more other things that come into play there. Anyway, Levi Rekin, are you guys Doctor Who fans? Do you care about the new Doctor Who or the 50th anniversary? I don't really care about it. I've never gotten into it for two reasons, Mm -hmm. I guess. One is I'm afraid that if I got into it, I might get into it too hard. But the second reason is my wife has told me that she's not that interested in it. And it's kind of just like this guy running around and there's always a sexy lady. Yeah, I, I watched the first episode of the new ones on Netflix, and I was like, man, I'm not really feeling it. Didn't really feel it. Uh, but I, not to Doc, I know there's a huge there's a huge uh, audience out there. Kevin Salcedo says, so you want to be a home brewer? Has something like this already been covered? I think we've covered something like this before, but Jesse, if somebody wants to be a home brewer, what's the first thing they should buy? Jeez, uh, I mean, a homebrew kit. Uh, your homebrew supply store has a lot of this. You know, maybe this should be the first episode of yeah. uh, Woman Man Beer. So you want to be a home brewer? There you go. Um, is there any books that people should buy? Oh yeah, uh, Charlie Papazian, who's actually coincidentally the head of the uh, Brewers. Oh, fuck. Anyway, he's a he's a huge figure in organizing professional brewers. Charlie Papazian, he's mm. like. Uh, the second most important guy in the American craft beer movement history, and uh, he had the complete joy or the joy of home brewing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You uh, can find it any anywhere. Get it online. Charlie Papazian, Joy of Home Brewing. Yeah, Rob- that's our Bible. I mean, you can build a business off of that book. Cool. All right. Uh, Rob Zip says, "Have you ever played the board game X Men Alert? Is it fun and or worth paying twenty five dollars for?" I haven't played it, um, and I also haven't heard about it. And I, I'm pretty up on the board game world right now. So uh, I would say that if you want to spend 25 bucks on a game, I would buy Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Citadels. Or Citadels. Do one of those. Sean Keefe says, have you heard of digital card game Hex? I have. That was actually a card game that was done by Cryptozoic, which is the the game that's the the company that saved um, uh, the doom that came to Atlantic City, which we talked about last week. This game looks pretty cool. I just have a hard time buying cards in a digital space. I don't want to pay money for a digital item. And I don't know if I'm just like out of the loop here. Maybe the Oculus Rift will change this. Uh, <laughs> plus, I was looking at all the gameplay videos. It will simulate a, a, a board game right. table. Oh, that's and, perfect. And you'll actually oh be able to God. move the pieces around by moving your hands and Dude, everything. That's perfect. <laughs> um, but uh, it'll have it, your buddy's faces and everything. Yeah. the The other thing with hex is like I, I looked at it and it basically is just like a straight magic uh, copy. So why wouldn't I just play magic or magic online? Although it does look cool. All right, fine. <laughs> Sam Golmati says, "Hey guys, uh, so this week I've been hearing a lot about how recent films uh, such as Kick Ass Two and The Wolverine are too violent." For the film uh, certificates that are being given. So I want to know uh, what you guys think I've seen that you get uh, away with a lot more now than you could 20 years back. But it is a case – but is it a case of film certification boards rethinking their rating criteria or should parents or guidance – uh, take a stronger role in dictating what they allow their children to watch? I think that that's – obviously it's up to the parents what their kids watch. And uh, and also rating – I mean culture, cultural shifts happen, although there used to not be a PG-13. So there were a lot of boobs in like PG movies back in the 70s. Mm. But uh, yeah, a little pro tip there <laughs> for your Netflix watch. 
but you know, cultures change. I mean, and, and and frankly, I think that it's a little ridiculous that you can like see somebody get completely mutilated. Uh, violence is fine in America, but anything else is is completely not fine. Um, uh, that's my that's all, that's all I can give for the Facebook roundup. Jacob Jones Martinez says, "I thought I'd throw a co-owner spot for my bald arrogance fantasy football team, the Roger Sterling Acid Trips." Uh, if anyone missed the sign-in and really wanted to get into it, I never coned on a team, but I, I'll try if someone is super bummed about missing out. So so message that. We have it on the Facebook roundup on the Personal Arrogance page. Message Jacob if you want to co-own a team. There is a slot open, guys. So if you missed out, uh, just message here and Jacob will check that. Uh, Leland Darby says, what do you think about the sequel to Cosmos being set to air on Fox in 2014? And how do you feel about it being... Brought to us by Seth MacFarlane and ho- hosted by Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I really love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think it's cool that scientists are becoming famous, which I, I guess he's kind of the only one other than Bill Nye. Um, Seth MacFarlane, I don't know. And Carl Sagan and, uh, I don't know, Albert Einstein. Yeah, they, they come once in a generation. And but, Oppenheimer. Yeah, but Seth MacFarlane, I don't know. We'll see what we get. But no, I, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm super excited for Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think he's the perfect guy to go for it. Uh, he has a lot of experience hosting science programs on Nova and stuff. Even though he's a little bit of a goober, I think Carl Sagan is a little more relatable. Yeah. Um, as for Seth MacFarlane, I think it's a great choice for a producer. Yep. Seth MacFarlane is fucking brilliant. Yeah, he's super he, smart, mm-hmm. and he has a lot of industry cred. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to make successful programs. And uh, I don't think he's going to turn it into, you know, something banal or uh, sophomoric. I think he'll do a great job with it. And obviously it's a passion project of his. I think he's, I think he's a great guy to be going ahead with this. Yeah, I mean, you can disagree with the way that Seth MacFarlane displays his humor, but the fact of the matter is if anybody watches Family Guy, he's obviously an educated person. He, yeah. He's a and, smart guy. Uh, I mean, how freaking fun and relatable were this, like, the Star Wars episodes of Robot Chicken and stuff like that? I mean. Well, that's Seth Green. Oh. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is Family Guy. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Well, you know, two Seths. They're 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 pretty close. They yeah. Are close. Okay. Now my opinion's changed a little bit. <laughs> well, too bad. We're moving on. Jonathan <laughs> Drazad says, "Any funny fantasy football names?" I think we covered that uh, with our uh, get off my running packs. Uh, Alan Wright says, "The new Thor two trailer looks amazing. I can't wait for Thor. He's my favorite Avenger. I can't wait. Can't wait for November." Uh, Adam Gumble says. Um, what? Who would win in a fight? A grizzly bear that has a chainsaw arms that fly off <laughs> like a Swedish action figure and that can breathe fire or a saber-toothed tiger who has an alien acid blood and a laser blaster for a tail. This is really, really important. Uh, obviously, I, I'm going to go with a saber-toothed tiger just because the chainsaw arms fly off and then he's completely defenseless. And obviously, Except for his normal arms. Well, yeah, but like, if anything, if he basically has acid blood, like alien acid, the acid blood in alien is a crazy force. It is. Yeah. That's pretty unstoppable. It depends on how powerful the laser is. Also, that's a factor. Oh, I mean, he's got alien acid blood and a laser blaster, ta- a laser blaster tail. And basically, this grizzly uh, bear, his arms fly off, and then he's defenseless, uh, a bear with regular arms. Yeah, um, I'm going to call this one a draw. 
Wow. Okay. And then finally, Levi Jetty, how the hell do I study up for fantasy football? Do what I do. ESPN Fantasy Focus Podcast is starting up with Matthew Barry. So that's what I'll be listening to. If you uh, listen to that, you'll be able to thwart all my moves. Matthew Barry of Friends fame. There you go. Um, All right, Uh, Jesse, you got six minutes before you have to hit the hay. So let's go to recommendations and call it a cast. What do you say? Let's do it. Uh, So my first recommendation is Civilization V. And I know what you're thinking. I recommended that last week, but I'm actually recommending the soundtrack. Oh. I love the soundtrack. And uh, the other day before work, I was like, man, it would actually be kind of nice to just listen to the Civ soundtrack at work. So I, I get on Google. I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it, whatever. Get on Google. I'm like, Civ 5 soundtrack. And it's like, how to access the soundtrack files and where to find them. What? I was, it, I was like, oh, doy, I already own those files. That's awesome. But, so I just like dig through there, find them, put them on my iPod, take it into work. I'm listening to Civ at work all day, which is a little goobery. <laughs> Super and, epic. Uh, Super it, epic. It, epic and also a little bit like Disney music-y kind of thing, but I, I'm really enjoying it. And then uh, the boss lady at work, the owner of the company, comes down the stairs, right? And uh, my <laughs> the guy I normally work with who normally controls the iPod and normally listens to Fish, he was <laughs> gone because he was in San Francisco for a Fish concert. Uh-huh. And... Uh, <laughs> So she comes down and she's like, Jesse, it's so peaceful when you work. I love the music. Ah, very nice. <laughs> so it totally scored me brownie points with the boss lady. There you go. All right. So Civ 5 soundtrack. Love it. Do it. All right. My first record this week is going to be Knights of Pen and Paper. It's an iOS game that I, I recently discovered. It's not that new. Um, but uh, it's really fun. You basically play a whole team of people playing an RPG, a, a pen and paper RPG. Um, and you kind of go through this world and you can uh, develop your players and then you can leave them at the tavern and develop new players and you're going through and fighting battles. And it's really addictive and uh, pretty deep in terms of uh, time what's, commitment. What's the gameplay like? Uh, it's a lot of like turn-based uh, fighting, just like a, a pen and paper RPG. You're basically going around the map getting quests and then... Uh, and then, uh, and then fighting monsters and, and getting loot and, and doing escort missions and, and whatnot. Huh. It's basically like basically porting a pen and paper RPG onto uh, onto iOS, and it's also all uh, like eight uh, bit graphics. I guess it's sixteen bit graphics, but uh, I really like it. I enjoy it. So, Knights of Pen and Paper. It is three dollars, but I it made my Canadian traffic jam completely fine today. <laughs> so uh, if, if it could do that, then uh, hopefully it could do something good for you. Nice and pen and tell, paper. Tell me that Canadian traffic jam is in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so uh, my second reco is a little documentary that's streaming on Netflix called Raccoon Nation. Uh-huh. Basically, uh, is a, speaking of Canadians, uh, it's like these Canadian scientists – and apparently Toronto is, like, infested with raccoons. Okay. So they put, like, these uh, GPS collars on raccoons and track their movements. And uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then my second record this week, uh, GTA 4, Grand Theft Auto 4, is only $9 on the Xbox Live Arcade right now. So oh. I went ahead and, and downloaded it, and I've been pouring through it. And uh, eagerly awaiting GTA 5. Actually, that's one of my... Uh, most anticipated games that I hope I hope to play at PAX. So um, GTA, well, I'll, Bo. I'll do the uh, I'll do the paint a miniature. Yeah. You 
wait in line for that. Why not? All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, guys, get in touch with us. Personal at gmail.com. You can leave, uh, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. 360-362-0024. Find us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We have the Personal Arrogance Facebook, and we have the Bald Move Facebook. And uh, if you like it, tell a friend. And uh, Jesse, you have a good night, bro. You too. All right, man. Well, until next time, listener, wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please. <laughs> Sorry. Stay arrogant. Stay arrogant. <laughs> <laughs>